Life can be an extraordinary adventure. More than ordinary. In the gym. At home. At work. More than ordinary. Advice. Without the new agey bullshit. Welcome to More Than Ordinary, brought to you by Seven Generation Games. So I have an amazing guest, Jason Harai, and we are going to talk about whatever we want to, um, talk trash about judo or whatever. So how are you, Jason? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me on. So what are you up to? You're still running upon judo up there in Washington? I am, yep. I'm in the Lakewood, Washington, and uh, we're, you know, we're getting prepped up for uh, the U.S. Open. We're going to the Junior U.S. Open um, this year in July. We just came back from the... Let's see, the uh, Youth Nationals were in Colorado Springs and uh, just a bunch of local tournaments that we're doing right now to get kind of prepped for it. Coaching is something you need to be smart enough to do it and dumb enough to believe it's important. And when I was thinking about this today, because I had my little granddaughter, Ava, who just turned 11 this month, is staying with us, and Ava has soccer practice. And they make sure she's very good for a kid who just turned 11, that everything goes around, oh, well, Ava has to stay here because she can't miss practice. And I remember you know, being that way when Rhonda was younger, like she couldn't miss practice and being that way when I was competing. And now, as somebody who runs a couple of companies in two different countries, and I think really that a 10-year-old makes it to practice is pretty damn low on the order of priorities in life. Yeah, like they don't want her to miss any practices. She has to commit to being like... Yes. And I was the exact way with Rhonda when she was little. If she's going to be good, she's got to go to every practice. Yeah, yeah. I think. I mean, I think there's a happy mix between both and all this stuff. And I and I do. I do kind of not like it when people miss practice. But but we practice three days a week, and a lot of our kids wrestle and do um, jujitsu, and uh, you know they have other stuff going on. And so, and as a little kid, I think um, it's okay. <laughs> and here's the bizarre thing like I know coaches that they think they are God's gift to the universe because they have bunches of kids that win you know what most people in America don't do judo five or six or seven days a week so if you want your kid to win tell you what just make them practice every day they'll win so I have a question for you ask away so you obviously you know you won the world championships in 1984 and what you came out of retirement to do that am I am I right so far yeah you're right and so back then back then when you competed I mean how was how was judo, the world of judo, different? I know, I mean, I know judo in general is way different from the 80s to now in 2019, right? But as far as, as, far as how you trained and what you did, because you didn't start judo until relatively a little bit later, right? You were... Well, I was 12. You were 12? Not I mean, super so, young. So, like, I started when I was four, and, and you didn't start your kids until they were a little bit later in life as well, right? Rhonda started when she was 11, Julia started when she was four, and then she quit when she was 11 and took up soccer. Now she's playing soccer in college. <laughs> well, I mean, there's a lot of people who say, if you don't start them off super young, then they're, they're already behind, and they're, they're going to be behind, and they'll never be able to catch up. Have you heard that before? I wondered about that. And, you know, I'm a statistician. That's my day job. And I got wondering about that years ago. And I started asking everybody I met from Jimmy Pedro Jr. to a couple of the people on the Olympic team in Brazil, anybody I met who was at an Olympic level, how old were you when you started judo? And I had this theory that it was actually going to be negative, that the people who started when they were four or five were going to be burnt out by the time they were 12, and the people who started when they were 12 were going to do better. 
what I found was absolutely no correlation whatsoever. That some of the people that started at three or four, when I did great, some of the people that started 11 and 12, I mean, you don't see a lot of people start at, you know, 16 or 18, but it seemed like anywhere between three and 12, you were equally likely to make the Olympic team, which I found really interesting. Wow. No, that is interesting. I hear like your story as far as, you know, you didn't start judo till you were 12, you know, and you uh, won a world championship. Rhonda, daughter Rhonda, starting at 11, and then she wins an Olympic um, bronze medal. And so I've always heard that, oh yeah, you know, when you do start younger, like, well, how I did, you know, you will end up burning out or your injuries will become more kind of just stacked up over your lifetime. City miles versus freeway miles, you know, and so... I just wanted to ask you too, as far, as far as women's judo goes in our country and in this world, how do you think things are different now versus how they were when you were kind of going through it? Bizarrely, I think they're worse now. And I talked to some of my friends about this and we just can't get over the fact that, God, I can't believe that when we competed would be the good old days. Because when we competed, they didn't have women in the Olympics. So I retired from competition in 84 and the first time they had women in the Olympics as a demonstration sport was 88. And I had Rhonda in 87. So by the time the Olympics were coming along, I had three kids age five and under. So that was not in the cards for me and I was getting my PhD. But the years I was competing, if you think back to 1980, the US boycotted the Olympics. 1984, the Soviet bloc boycotted the Olympics. So women weren't in the Olympics, but neither were half the countries. So because there wasn't a lot of money in it, if you were a woman and you did judo, anybody who was around you to help you train, to coach you, did it because they loved judo or they cared about you. Now, because women is an Olympic, women's judo is an Olympic sport, what I've seen sometimes is people really want to be the coach for the men's team and the women's team is their consolation prize. Or they just want to say they're the Olympic coach and they could give a rat's ass about women's judo and are pretty disrespectful of women in general. So I think it's actually, unfortunately, gone backwards. You know, when I was competing, there wasn't a whole lot. I mean, there was some, but there wasn't as much of the political aspect because the Olympics are where you get a lot of show. And so that's a big deal to some people. It was never a thing to me. I wanted to be best on the planet. And at the time, only half the people were going to the Olympics, so I wanted to go to the World Championships, say so I could beat everybody in the world, go home and do other stuff. <laughs> now, so the, the World Championships that year was in 1984. So were the women's World Championships back then on a different year than the men's? Yes. Because the men's were, obviously, it was 83, 85. It was every yeah. other year, right? And yeah. so... The women's world championships were every two years, but it was on the same year, so it would be 84, 86, 88? Yeah, I think so. Well, the first one was eight, 1980, um, and I didn't go. I don't even remember why. I was in graduate school, so I, I got three graduate degrees. So I was in grad school. I didn't go. Um, and then 82, I was going to go, and I got pregnant with Maria. And then 84, so yeah, there were two years. I've heard all the, uh, I don't know, myths or the tall tales or whatever you want to call it. Lies. Spread Lies. enemies. <laughs> okay. So tell, me, so tell me the truth now. When you were training for the world champ, you now, so I've always heard that you were, were you training for, uh, were you training at a point when you were pregnant with one of your daughters? 
Oh yeah, Maria. I trained until I like the week before she was born. I did I did judo till the week before she was born, and I went running till the day before she was born. And I asked my doctor about it, and he said, "If you had never done judo in your life, I would not tell you to take it up now. But since you've been doing it half your life, he said it'd probably be more of a shock to your system if you quit." And he said, this, "I tell the same thing to patients of mine that are marathon runners or weightlifters or whatever. If that's what you do." You know, keep doing what you do. Pregnancy is not an illness. By the way, I was living at the Olympic Training Center at the time. They didn't take that view. So they said, well, you can't train here. So I moved to San Diego, took a job there as an industrial engineer and worked out at the Naval Training Center and at at a judo club in El Cajon. And yeah. (laughs) So you worked out until a week before you gave birth. Yep. And then... I had to get back on the mat within about a week because to get back my spot on the U.S. team, because as you know, you know, if you miss tournaments, you don't get points. So I had missed about six months of tournaments. So I had to go back and win the U.S. Open six weeks after Maria was born. And that was in 1984. Yeah. Yeah. So she, no, 82. So she was born in September 3rd and the U.S. Open was the end of October. Wow. <laughs> That's amazing. I mean, that's what you do. We'll be right back. Did you know that 92% of U.S. homes have a computer? Yes. Yes, they do. And 43% of homes have a child under 18. Why aren't more kids playing educational games on those computers? Because they suck. The educational games, not the kids. Until now, download Spirit Lake or Fish Lake. Check out Forgotten Trail or Making Camp with no download required. All of our games are under 10 bucks. Teach math and social studies. Let your child play on a real computer and learn real-life math. If you're on Steam, be the coolest aunt, uncle, big brother, or sister on the block and download Fish Lake. The little rug rat can play on your computer, learn fractions, and you can get some peace. You know, people ask me all the time about judo and, you know, and I, I, I heard, you know, some of your podcasts, uh, Randy Couture and some of those people. And I mean, you would have given up life or limb to succeed to be the best in judo that was your that was your passion and and a lot of people yeah yeah and it's it's part of your it's part of your dna It's part of i mean that was what you chose to be people don't and people don't understand that now people don't understand well if she's willing to give up life and limb for that i mean and you know and if i had to do it all over again and if i could do it all over again and if i had the ability to do it I would have done the same thing. People don't understand that mentality in combat sports. And so what do you think about that as far as the ones that you hear that would not do that? I think everybody makes their own choices. Like Maria, my my daughter, we, you know, her dad was the British national judo champion. I was the world champion. Everybody thought, oh, this kid has grown up on the mat. She's going to be great. You know, there's pictures of me, you know, accepting my trophy at the national championships with the trophy in one arm and her in the other. And she did judo for a few months when she was five or six and decided she didn't want to do it. She ran track all the way through college. She was a sports writer for ESPN. Now she's CEO of our company. She's written a New York Times bestseller. So she's been super successful, a lot of stuff. And she told me when she was 15 and in high school, she said, mom, I know what it takes to make the Olympics and I don't want it that bad. And I think that's a perfectly fine judgment to make. I have a lot more respect for that than the people, and I'm sure you have seen these kids in your years of coaching, where the parent wants it more than they do. Yes. Yep. 
or the or the athletes wants it more than they're willing to you know that's the thing that drives us nuts did for you too i'm sure but when you have the athletes that want you know their eyes are bigger than their stomach type of a deal right where they want they want certain things and they say they want certain things but they're not willing to do or give up the things that you know that it's going to take um to get there and that's the hardest thing, I think. And the parents. Parents are, you know, can be the most difficult part of some of the athletes' success and failures, I think. Did you have to deal with a lot of that coaching there? Yes. This is funny. This is um, a very inappropriate story, but I'll tell you anyway. So and it has a point in the end. I used to work with this wonderful lady when my kids were really little, and we were talking about birth control because she had daughters who were in their 20s, and mine were just tiny little things. And she says, let me tell you this. You have all these ideas that sound great in theory. And I always told all my kids, you know, if you're going to have sex, you tell me and I will go with you and I will get you birth control. And, you know, because I don't want my children to, you know, be 14-year-old moms or this. So she said, I always told them that. I always figured we had a great relationship. And then the first one of my kids that comes to me and says, mom, you know, I think I'm really thinking about having sex with my boyfriend. Can we go to the, the pharmacy? And she said, and I went, I said, of course, honey. And we had a big house and I went into my bathroom, separate in the master bedroom. I shut the door and I went, ah! <laughs> So this is kind of similar to my story about judo because I always told my kids, you know, Julia started when she was four. She won the California state championship. She won the junior nationals. And she was like a little mini Rhonda. I don't know if you've seen the two of them together, but if you take Rhonda and you shrink her down to three quarter size, it's Julia. Like there's been, when they do some of these shows and stuff, you think I'm brilliant to have these pictures and videos of Rhonda doing judo? No, it's Julia, you know, that they videotaped and put her up to look like Rhonda. So I always told Rhonda, you know me, honey, you know, anybody, I could tell anybody in the world to go fuck themselves. So you feel like you don't want to go to the Olympics. You don't want to do this. You let me know. And she'd be like, no, mom, I want to go to the Olympics. I want to try for this. I want to do this. So Julia... Miss Julia, after she's been doing really well, comes to me and says, I don't want to do judo, I want to do soccer. And I said, well, let's just see if, you know, you're having a bad year or whatever. You stick it out for another year and you tell me you still want to do soccer and you're good to go. And after another year, she says, I still want to do soccer. So, yeah, she did judo for seven years. And when she's 11, she quit and she played soccer. And I used to think, when I would look at stories like that, oh, what a waste, right? These people, they spent all these years. Here's the funny thing. So Julia tried out for a club soccer team, which is where a lot of the colleges recruit from. And the coach said to me, if you had asked me if I would sign a kid to play club soccer at 17 years old who had never played club before, I would have said, you're crazy. But he said, there's something about Julia. She's fearless. And she plays defense. There will be three or four kids running at her, and she doesn't blink. And I swear, that all came from the judo. judo. Yep. That was that was her judo training, and that was her, her uh, preparation for combat sports and being one-on-one -on -one out there on the mat and her uh, world champion mother teaching her how to do these things. <laughs> right? So, so that, that's what I've seen about judo is a lot of these kids, even if they're in judo for five, six, seven years and they quit and they do other things, all of that fearlessness, you know, someone once told, once put it as 
in judo, you stand on that line and you show what you're made of. You could talk all you want, but you go out there and you bow in and another person is trying basically to impose their will on you and you're not going to let it happen. There, there aren't many things like that. And when Julia started uh, soccer, I told her, honey, these guys have been playing since they're four, five, six years old. You know, you started this year. You're trying out for the Santa Monica Select team. I mean, don't get your hopes up. And they picked her, which I was very surprised. One of the things she said to me, she goes, you know, Mom, I know I don't have the skills that these other girls do that have been playing, you know, for eight years, six years. But she said, I'm not afraid of anybody. <laughs> and I think that's what judo gets for you. Yep. She had something in her that is something that you can't, you can't teach, that you can't, it's just, it's in, it was in her. That fighting spirit was already in her, you know, and like you said, it was in her already from judo and other stuff. I think that combat sports for children too, because, you know, like wrestling or, or, you know, jujitsu or in judo, especially judo is a tough sport, you know, judo is one of those things. And a lot of people don't realize it, that you're out there and, you know, and I've, I've played, you know, I think we've all done some sort of um, team activity, whether it was in um, elementary school or junior high or whatever. There's a, you know, there's definitely a difference that I feel, you know, inside when you're playing a team sport like baseball or basketball, because basketball, you have four other people that you're kind of relying on or you can count on to either have success or not have success. You share all of that kind of, but in something like judo, it's just, it's, it's you and the other person. And there's, there's no one else to to rely on except for yourself. And I think that's that can be hard for some kids. And it might actually be a detriment to some people as well. It's it's funny when I was my my late husband, he was a really, really good manager. And he and I were talking about the impact of sports on kids. And he had played basketball in high school and was was really very good at it. I think their their team won the state championships in Oregon like four years in a row, which is pretty impressive. And he said he thought women were at a disadvantage. Now remember this is in the eighties. But he said all the sports for women are individual sports. So back then, I mean women were in swimming, gymnastics, you know, those are the big things for women, track. And he said, what I got out of playing basketball all those years was learning you needed to rely on other people that one really good guy doesn't make a team. And he said, I think women, women's sports, and again, this was you know many years ago, but he said, I think women's sports, you develop that discipline and toughness, but what you don't learn is how to rely on other people, how to accept that there's weaker people than you on the team and you've got to bring them with you. And that if you want to be, and I, w- I was an engineer at the time, he said, you know, if you want to be like the superstar tech person, Probably that training in an individual sport is good, but if you want to manage a team or be part of a team, he said, I feel like women lack that. It was funny because, you know, he passed away when the girls were little, but he always wanted them to do basketball or some kind of team sport. And yeah, they didn't, but that's all right. They they turned out okay. (laughs) I think, you know, we'll be right back after this. Did you know that kids on average lose two and a half months of math skills over the summer? That means that when they go back to school this fall, it's almost like everything they learned in math since mid-March never happened. Seven Generation Games can help. Combining adventure gaming and math, our games are the perfect way to keep kids' math skills up to date. It's not flashcards or worksheets, 
but 3D video games and engaging apps that kids actually want to play, even when they're on summer break. Check us out at 7generationgames.com. From us doing judo our whole lives in a, in a combat sport where it's just one-on-one. I don't know which direction it goes, but I think they are related. Like when you had team projects in college, were you the person who always said, just give it to me and I'll do it and we'll get an A? <laughs> um, no, I don't think so. See, I, I always hated team projects. Yeah, see, that's where I'm going. Like I would rather just do it myself and not have the team. Yes, me too. And that 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 was the thing too. I, you know, played just for the hell of it, intramural, you know, soccer when I, you know, we had co-ed soccer teams when I was working at Honeywell and I really had a hard time being on something where winning or losing didn't depend just on me. So that was definitely from the from the years of um, judo, I take it. Well, I wonder. I mean, do we – which direction does it go? Do you kind of gravitate towards those individual sports because that's your personality or is that your personality because you were in that sport? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It's hard. To, I mean – I'd like to know one of these days because I, you know, when I, when I do things, even at work, I'm just kind of sitting there going, God, I wish I could just do that all by myself. <laughs> I, don't, I don't want anybody's help. I, you know, I'm a, I'm just, I want to go solo, you know, and I just, I want to do it by myself. And even at work, even in my work, um, even in my work life, I have a hard time with it. Not wanting to do it by myself, you know, or just, just do it all by myself. What do you actually do for a job? I only know you as a judo instructor. So during the days, I, I've been in the produce industry since I was a teenager. So I, right now I currently work for a organic salad company based out of California called Organic Girl. We have our salads all over the country. I so I have I have an area that I that I kind of covered in the Pacific Northwest. So I help my boss cover um, Washington, Oregon, Montana, and Idaho, and Alaska. That's weird. What is it with judo guys and produce? Because like Cosway Murrow, who is one of the instructors at Venice, manages produce for one of the big grocery chains, and then Jason Uno does. He works for like some big food company you know traditionally in this country um a lot of the farmers were either um italian or well and i don't know this for a fact from the people that i know in the industry in this area in the northwest you know they a lot of the people who were produce wholesalers were either italian or japanese a lot of the farmers were japanese and a lot of the wholesalers were italian and it's, it's just i don't know it's just one of those things where you know you hear about like the fishing industry and you know a lot of them are are you know norwegian or some sort of scandinavian country right or, or italian and a lot of the fishermen. And um, so there's always, I think it's always been a thing where in the produce industry, they've either been a lot of Japanese farmers and stuff like that. So That's true. Maybe it's like people immigrate here originally, and then they get in some area, and then they bring in their family, their friends. When you move somewhere, you probably move somewhere you know people. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I have a few more questions. Is that okay? Ask away. Um, As far as, so like a lot of the things that I see, like we were talking about how parents... If they, you know, they want it more than the child does or, or this or that, or you kind or sometimes you see how parents are kind of living through their child's success or their failures, you know, more their success than anything else. And they put a lot of pressure on those athletes to, to perform well. And, uh, and you've probably seen that a lot, I'm assuming. What I always think about is I'm thinking, you know, I mean, I was a, I was a sensei's kid. You have all this pressure on you to not, not let them down or not fail them. In your case, you had a lot of success in judo and in for, particularly in like Rhonda's case, kind of following your footsteps and do that. And, you know, and the pressure she probably felt 
you know, I would assume the way I felt was is that I had all this pressure to to do well or to perform well or, you know, and to, and to kind of carry on that whatever. And do you, I mean, do you think there's something to that? Because she, she ended up, she ended up doing very well. In fact, as far as um, judo goes and MMA and her acting career and all this, all these different things. And she's, she's done all those things, probably surpassed a lot of expectations of when we feel like, oh, we're this sensei's kid. What do you think about that? I think that it could go either way. So I see some of these kids that they have no real interest in judo as far as I could tell, but they're doing it because that's what their dad does and that's what people in their family do. I think in Rhonda's case, I, it, I tried to dissuade her from judo because she started out in swimming. She was very good at it. She made the Junior Olympics in swimming, which if you live in LA is really hugely hard to do. And she got tired of it. She said, you know, I'm just swimming back and forth and back and forth. And it, it was a thing she did with her dad that he used to take her because I'm not a morning person. And, like, the the kids, the younger kids, you have to go, like, five in the morning to get into practice. And so she wanted to do judo. And I said, don't do judo. You have your own thing. You're good at swimming. There's college scholarships. You know, you do judo, and everybody will expect you to win, you know, win the junior nationals the first time out. You actually tried to get her away from judo to, to do something else. Right. Right. And Hayward Nishioka told me, no one remembers you, Anne Marie. I let the kid do it. So I tried to dissuade her from it. And then when she started, I, you know, kids are kids, right? I, how many things do little kids start at your club? How many little kids do you have that start and they quit after six months? So I didn't think anything of it. I took her. I figured she'll do this. You know, all my kids have done stuff. They took drums. They took, Ronnie used to play the bassoon. You know, they played piano. They did track they did all kinds of swimming and and they quit so i figured oh she'll do this for a while she got bored and when it was apparent to me that she was going to be really good at it and when was that you know probably within the first year like the first year you know kids white belt they're learning to fall they're like just like all the other kids <clears throat> and plus she'd started late so she was a white belt when a lot of the kids were purple belts and i think the first thing that really struck me she was a green belt by then and we were out with Jake Flores who's a really good friend of mine from way back and we were out having sushi and and Jake turns to her and she's all 12 years old he says I hear you're doing judo and she says yeah he says I I know a little bit about judo ask me anything and she looks at him very seriously and says you've seen me fight right if you were coaching another girl to beat me what would you tell her to do now, this isn't the sort of thing a kid who's 12 years old has been in, a judo, in judo for a year asks, right? So that struck me. Um, and then as she went along, she, you know, started after a year, I think she won the Junior Olympics and the Junior Nationals. But and th- here's the thing. I think in the U.S. we make, we push our kids far too much and push our adults far too little. And we make a big deal of this kid won the junior nationals. Okay, they beat four other kids that are 12. You know, I remember um, get, when Julia was going to fight in the state championships and I'm looking at her brackets and I'm a mom, right? This is my baby. She's 10 years old. And I'm looking at the bracket and I talk to Gary Butts and I say, oh, do you know? That I said, oh, you know, are these kids very, very tough? And, and he says, no, they're, they're not tough at all. And I says, do you know them? And he looks at me and goes, they're 10 years old. How fucking tough can they be? <laughs> they're 10-year-old girls, right? 
And, and he's right. So she was winning the 12, 13-year-old girl division. But then I start putting, you know, she starts, she's beating all the 12, 13-year-old girls. So we start putting her in the women's division. And she's winning. Now, a lot of 12 and 13-year-old girls win in the women's division. But Steve, and Steve Sack said a really wise thing to me. Steve Sack, I don't know if you know him. He was on the 80 Olympic team. He's also a PE teacher. He's got a master's in PE. And he said, a lot of times in judo, we confuse talent with early physical development. You have that kid that at 13 is physically a man or a woman, and they're beating the little scrawny 13-year-old kids. At 13, 14, Rhonda was this scrawny little 100-pound kid going out there and beating 130-pound 20-year-old women. And that, to me made me think because because I talked to other people like oh yeah lots of kids at 13 14 win the women's division like no you don't know this is a kid that hasn't gone through puberty that's you know 90 pounds soaking wet with her hair in a ponytail playing Pokemon going out and winning the women's black belt division what's going to happen when she does turn into a woman is that right. what you're thinking exactly I mean yeah, she, she I, I always use this line and she gets so mad at it, that she went through puberty and came out swinging because she was beating these people before. She kind of developed late. By the time she was 16 and she put on, in a couple of years, doubled in size. Went from like 70 pounds to 140. And put on, you know, 70 pounds of muscle. And she was a grown woman. And we went to the ladder tournament. And everybody, the number, so it was the number two through eight were there. I think Gracie was number one and she wasn't there at, for whatever reason. And I knew, because i you know, been with Ron every day. And I said... After this tournament, you're going to have a whole bunch of new friends. And we went out the night before, and I said, you look around, and you see who's here because these are your friends. And, yeah, she went through the competition like a hot knife through butter. I mean, there wasn't anybody that lasted 30 seconds on the mound with her. And did she have a whole bunch of new friends afterwards? Oh, hell yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I hope you're enjoying the return of the More Than Ordinary podcast, and I just want to give a shout-out to Madeline Perry of Jefferson City Judo in Missouri, who was kind enough to edit this podcast. You are a saint and an angel. It's in part due to her help that I have time to bring the More Than Ordinary podcast back. So next time, we'll be back with more than Jason Harai. And thank you again, Madeline. You rock. Thanks for listening to the More Than Ordinary podcast. For more information, please go to our website, 7generationgames.com. And that's 7 as in the number 7, generationgames.com. If you'd like to learn more about math and history or increase your vocabulary while at the same time having fun, you can purchase our games at 7generationgames.com slash buy. You can also donate and help a much-deserving student. And as always, please tell a friend and don't forget to rate us on iTunes. It's never too late to be more than ordinary.